Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Halfway down the back straightaway. Austin Sindrick now will lead by half a court. I the end of the back straightaway. Austin Sindrick leads into turn three for the final time with a big shove from teammate Ryan Blaney. Here comes Brad Keselowski topside, but it's the rookie that leads off four. A whole bunch of Fords at the front of the field, and here they come. Sindrick trying to squeeze Blaney into the fence, and at age 23, Austin Sindrick has scored the Daytona 500 win. Larson by three, Larson by four car lengths, but Dillon makes a final try to the inside. A bonsai move for Austin Dillon at the bottom of the racetrack, going to try to pull the slide job. He can't do it. Off turn four, Kyle Larson comes to the line. Austin Dillon giving pursuit, checkered flag in the air. Larson, the winner in his home state, the Golden State Golden Boy, is headed back to Ruoff Mortgage Victory Lane. Larson with a nose out in front of Bowman down the Nellis straightaway. They stay door to door, side by side. They're so close to each other. Bowman at the bottom of the racetrack. Who's it going to be off of four? They come off a of turn four, side by side. Bowman at the bottom. He slides up in front of Larson. Larson with the crossover. He's out of time. Bowman, the showman, has won at Las Vegas in overtime. Chase Briscoe, who leads into turn three. A day he will never forget. Off four, final time. Checkered flag is out. Career win number one. It's Delmore! Yeah, way to earn it. It's unbelievable. I was crying the whole last lap. Half off huge. One is going to push the wall. Just got to be ready to block. William Byron has got him handled down the backstretch. Cover the bottom. Cover the bottom. Cover the bottom. 20. 20. Cover the top, cover the bottom, cover the bottom, cover the bottom. William Byron will hang on and win at Atlanta Motor Speedway in dramatic fashion. Hell yeah, boy! Awesome! Awesome driving, great spot and great team. Lots of changes, stayed up late last night. Love you guys. Woo! Now Chastain right on the back bumper of A.J. Allmendinger. Alex Bowman stays way outside of them, too. Allmendinger gets into Alex Bowman. Ross Chastain back out to the front for the final corner for the final time. He's got the lead coming out of turn 20. Now he's flat on the gas. Ross Chastain is going to get his first NASCAR Cup Series win, his 121st start. Yes! Yes! Raceway. The streak has been broken. Denny Hamlin sees the checkered flag. That's one hell of a drive there, D.H. Great call, Gayhart. Nice work, guys. Speechless, man. 
Great job. Hell of a job. White flag is out. Joey Logano's on the back bumper. William Byron headed to turn one. One last shot for Logano. Can he get to the back bumper? Here they come off turn two down the back straightaway. Byron with the lead. Logano is second. Joey looking to the inside. Not close enough in four. What a drive for William Byron. He picks up the win tonight in the celebration design. Battling into turn three. Briscoe dives to the bottom of the racetrack. Side by side. They get loose. They spin. Now Tyler Reddick does the 360. So does Briscoe. It's going to go to the third place car as they come back to the start finish line. And that's going to be, it looks like, Kyle Busch will win this race. Kyle Busch comes from nowhere and gets the win. And that's our show. Thanks for tuning in today. We'll see you next week. No, uh, welcome to Motor Mouse. Uh, as you can see, they've let the inmates run the asylum here. I'm Kyle Petty. This is my best friend, Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett, and special guest, Corey LaJoy. Thanks for, thanks for being here tonight. Nate Ryan will join us a little bit later. And remember, this is your show. It's your chance to sound off. It's your chance to ask questions. Whatever you can call us at, I have to look up the number. 1-844-NASCAR-NBC. So the number is 1-844-627. Is that right? Yeah, I got my good glasses on. 2276. So be sure you call. Um, hey, man, thanks for joining us today. I'm, I'm, we're just going to jump right in with you because we don't, we don't have a lot of people stop by and say hello to us. Um, <laughs> you are in the janitor's closet. <laughs> yeah, no, it feels like we're in the closet here. Assess your season for us. Because we, right, we saw right there, it has been a crazy season on the circuit with this new car. So how is your season kind of intertwined with that? I mean, all, all those clips you just saw, I mean, it gets my heart pumping. I wasn't really involved with them. Our best our best run of the year was Atlanta. We finished fifth. That was a career best for me. Uh, but we've had some ups and downs. We've had some tough ones. Uh, just trying to figure out what makes this ne next-gen car tick. It's been a little bit more of a challenge than I think we anticipated. But uh, overall, I think we've controlled a lot of things we can control, and there's a lot of things that uh, have bit us that we can't. So hopefully we can keep uh, tweaking on that to uh, iron that out throughout the course yeah. of the year. And of course, something that I've been interested to talk to every driver that we do have on the show, uh, whether it's by Zoom or, or here in person, uh, is just the differences of this next-gen car versus what you've been running the past four, five, six years. And then on the other side, something you told me that really intrigued me uh, before the show uh, was about this car when it's off, uh, how much different uh, it is. I can, I can tell you, a bad driving next-gen car drives way worse than a Gen <laughs> 6 car. Um, and I think there's just so many more components, independent rear suspension, transaxle, shock stops. I mean, you name it. There's all these notes that we've acquired for the last 10 years that are obsolete. And we're learning in a 20-minute 20, 20 practice session where you can't change shocks. You can do a couple shock clicks, or you can't change springs, rather. And really and truly, you're married to whatever the simulation spits out is what the best. And we're trying to validate yeah. that. Mm. So, man, it's been, it's been tough. And, and you've seen some teams hit the ground running. Teams like Trackhouse and Ross getting his first win. We've seen Chase Briscoe been competitive each and every week. But we've seen a lot of teams like Gibbs even not really been as strong as we anticipate those guys. I, I know... KB and, and DH have been in victory lane so far, but, um, you know, hopefully we can uh, throw Hail Mary this weekend and get our way in Talladega. Who knows? Yeah. Listen, you are spectacular. We had this, this conversation this morning. Somehow, if we put you in a shoebox, you're going to find your way to the front <laughs> uh, in, an or in, a, in, a, in a speedway race. But I want to know, um, it, and we had this conversation on Monday here on Motor Mouse a little bit, is 
the established stars, what we consider the established stars, the Denny Hamlins, the Kyle Bushes, the Kevin Harvicks, um, the Chase Elliotts, those guys, they seem to be over here this year. And we're talking Ross Chastain. You know, we're talking Daniel Suarez has run up front. Tyler uh, you, you, had a, you had a great run uh, at, at Atlanta. Every week, there's two or three guys, or at least one or two guys in that top five that we don't, we don't usually talk about. Is that directly attributed to your answer before on, on the notes on this car? I think I think the you know the older guys who have been driving the older generation cars for 10, 15 years, a lot of the driving styles don't translate to the transaxle the way the the locker used to lock up, the way that you had to get the weight on the left rear to drive it off the corner. A lot of that stuff doesn't apply, and we saw uh, it's. I mean, Kevin Harvick starting to have some speed each each and every week, so it's cool to see guys like that start to emerge and be contenders for the wins. But seeing Chase. Briscoe and Tyler Reddick wreck, yeah. wreck, wreck each other for the win. They've been up front racing for the wins all year long. I mean, it's only it's only a matter of time until Tyler Reddick uh, punches his ticket. And um, you know, these cars draft so different as well at the speedways, where uh, track position has always been important to speedways, but it's even more important as ever if you want to contend for a win because you don't see guys coming from 20th to the lead like you saw Earnhardt back uh, back in the day. If you're not in those first two rows on that last restart, your chances of winning that speedway race are pretty low. So you're talking about the simulation and, and the lack of practice, basically, and the changes. So in moving forward, does with things that you learn when you're able to, to go through an entire race, the, does your simulation change then by adding those factors into it? Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a lot of layers of onion, DJ, to, to really unravel because... A lot of teams have the three points to, to validate. They have the simulation model that they plug their setup in and it spits out what the best uh, squiggly line is to look at. Then they can go to the simulator, plug it in, and rule, run through a couple changes, and then go to the racetrack, and that's what they, their asphalt dyno tells them. We don't have that opportunity being a smaller team. The big teams are eating up all the sim simulator hours, so we go straight from simulation right to the racetrack with the setup that we hope is the best, and then we spend the entire 500 miles 400 miles making it a test session to figure out what aero pitch we need, what kind of wedge we need. So really and truly it's trial by error because we don't have a lot of ways to rule out what a bad idea is. We just have to figure it out on the racetrack. So we've had multiple drivers that we've talked to, that we have called in and, and talked to. And almost to a, to a driver, they talk about aggression and how you can be more aggressive with this car and this car rewards being aggressive. At the same time, the two racetracks that I thought you could be aggressive on, Richmond and Martinsville, were just so-so races compared to the other races we see. Why did, it, why did that not translate, the aggression of Martinsville and some of these other places? Why didn't that transfer to the racetrack? That's a, that's a great question. I think part of it is that we didn't see a whole lot of tire degradation at Richmond. We saw a little bit of speed fall off, but you didn't see a whole lot of rubber laid down, yeah. part of which was the temperature. Uh, the rubber didn't really apply to the, to the concrete at, at Martinsville like we're used to seeing. So you really ran 400 qualifying laps the entire day at Martinsville. Yeah. Uh, and then you add in with the transaxle, the gear ratio is a little bit tighter. So you were shifting. Obviously, that was a big storyline from the race. So that allowed you to wheel hop into the corner a bit, slide and grab a gear, and the guy couldn't roll you quite as easy, and you couldn't get positioned. So that's why you didn't see a whole lot of comers and goers because it was cool. You really had your elbows up just trying to maintain positions. But shifting, I think NASCAR is going to look at uh, something like that differently, whether it's a drop gear change or something when we go yeah. back. I should make the race a little bit better.
Yeah, I was wondering about that because we've heard quite a bit of, about that shifting, even on the dirt the other night. And, yeah. and uh, um, you know, what? how much? So it's been said that, well, it's easier with these cars to shift. Why is that? Uh, can you explain to the fans well, about that? Even the quick throw of it, it's a sequential, so you just go one up, one back, but yep. the throw of it's only an inch, right? Uh -huh. So you can really pull back hard on that shifter, and then you blip it to 80%, and it'll fall right in once you time it right. Instead of the big old clunky, burp, yeah. burp, burp, yeah. now yeah. Your, your quick pulls, quick pushes, and it was interesting to watch that race on, on Sunday night. Chase Briscoe figured out shifting before Chase, before Tyler did, and that's what allowed Tyler, or Chase to get to him uh, because you can see the, the fire out of the pipes. The, the, third, the 14 caught the 8, and, and business picked up pretty quick when that happened. Yeah. So we go to Talladega this week, and we're going we're to talk about it a little bit later. What is it about a Talladega? What is it about a Daytona? What is it about an Atlanta that seems to, even with this car, we've seen it with every car we run. So why it just kind of closes the field. The, the short tracks used to be the great equalizer. You know, you could take... Yeah. You could take an A team and a D team and go to Martinsville, and they could be competitive. Yeah. But now we can take every team and go to Talladega or Daytona, and it's been that way for the last number of years, but it seemed to be with this car, it was everybody. Well, it's a combination of a couple of things. I think, one, it helps when you trash about 15, 18 of them, and it wipes half the field <laughs> out before the, you know, before the last restart, yeah. right? There's yeah. a lot of guys wow. you don't have to deal with because... On one side of the garage, those guys have to justify getting stage points, getting playoff yeah. points, because playoff points this year are going to matter more than they ever have in the playoffs just because everybody's so tight. And you see a guy like Kyle Larson win 10 races, was a heavy favorite. Hasn't been that successful. Only one at Fontana has yeah. been in contention at some other races. But those guys have to race every stage to get the most amount of playoff points, the most amount of stage points, where a team like ours fairly deep in points. We don't need the stage points. So yeah. the risk versus reward for us to – be conservative, find two or three friends to draft with, stay in the lead lap, come yeah. down pit road, green flag stops, make no mistakes, and pull the belts as tight as you possibly can pull them with, you know, four or five to go yeah. and see, uh, bring back yeah. the trophy or the steering wheel, one or the other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's interesting because I, I think we, we, listen, when we raced, it was, you got to go as, you got to go win the race. Yeah. It wasn't stage points. But there's yeah. so many different games being played and so many strategies out there. Um, I want to move to something else here. You have been spectacular with paint schemes uh, through the yeah. years uh, for, for throwback. It, it has been amazing. Just rattle off a couple of them. Well, I can go in order. I was thinking about this on the way down here. There's a car in the back. There's a Davy Allison late model. That was, that was my first throwback scheme. I was driving for BK Race since that 23 Dr. Pepper car looked killer. I had a great Dale Jarrett Nestle Crunch throwback car. That was one of my favorites. Um, I had, we did an Alan Kowicki yes, throwback, Xerox yeah. car. Which is great. Spire Motorsports works out of the Alan Kowicki shop, so it was a really cool to pay homage to one of my childhood heroes in Alan. And then this year, we've got an awesome Marty Robbins scheme, and it was great that, that NASCAR was a little bit flexible with the numbers yeah. because when's the last time you've seen a triple-digit number, yeah. uh, Kyle? So I had, to, I had to push and claw and send some, <laughs> send some text messages begging those guys to allow yes. us to run three I numbers. I love that. Yeah. It, looks, it looks really cool. My podcast at NASCAR.com, Stacking Pennies is on yeah. the hood. So it's awesome that Spire, Spire Motorsports allowed us that happen. It's a little bit weird. Now, I've, I've had everything from my face on the car more times than I'd like to admit. <laughs> I actually have not seen my name that big on the car. So 
man, yeah. I live a weird life, Todd. Yeah, man. listen, we all do, man. We <laughs> all do. I, know. I, I always used to tell people, that I'd say, I, I live a weird life. I make a living riding around in circles, and the only thing weirder than that are you people buy tickets and come and watch me do it. And that's your own draft to do it. Yeah, yeah that's... Fun, but th- this car's fantastic. It, it looks really good, and Kevin Wilson, our design guy, inspired and knocked it out of the park with it. And I think we're going to match the, the yeah. colors on a spot on. But interesting fun fact. I don't know if it's fun for me, but Marty Robbins and I had the same amount of career top fives in the Cup Series. Oh, with no way. A smoking number of one. So <laughs> hopefully, we can, uh, hopefully we can add one and I can separate myself from a country music singer. I'm going to tell you one, one quick story. They were at Talladega Test, and my dad tells this story a million times. They were at Talladega during practice. And Marty was out there running right in the middle of them, running with Pearson, running with all of them. Um, and, and after the race was over with, he didn't have a plate on the car. And they said, well, what was that all about? He said, I just wanted to see what it was like to run with you guys just for a few laps. He didn't care. He just, he just didn't have a plate on I got one more great Marty Robbins story. And, and he was a bit before my time, so I didn't really, really dig in and read yeah. too much about him until recently when we decided to do the car. And there was an old story in Nashville, Cuckoo Marlin, Sterling Marlin's dad wins the race. They asked him in victory lane, man, you really turned it up on the last little bit, Cuckoo. What happened? I was trying to chase down Marty. He was running away with it. They said, Marty left for the Grand Old Opry half an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. All right, so we have you on here. So we're going to go to calls right now. Diego, you're on the Coil of Joy. Hey, what's going on, guys? Long-time uh, listener, first-time caller here. Uh, my question for you guys is um, I see now that Corey's running, I guess technically triple digits on the car. If uh, if you guys think it's time that NASCAR allows teams to run triple digits in uh, in the Cup Series. Hey, the, do you think it's – I don't think – I don't think so. My, grand, yeah. my grandfather's number was 711. I, yeah. I would, that would be my first number yeah. of choice. Or 007, I was also a big yeah. James Bond fan yeah. myself. But I think it is a scoring nightmare uh, to probably allow teams to run three numbers. Now, I do appreciate NASCAR allowing us to yeah. run – three at Darlington, but they were specific. Like, hey, we want a single number or whatever your number was on the roof, uh, yeah. and they want a single number on the side, and it's going to be scored as the seven, seven. as well. Yeah. So the throwback, they give you a little bit of leniency, but I don't expect to see so, three-digit numbers. So the fr- I, I was at a race that a three-digit car won, um, and I was a young boy. I was Riverside. Uh, Dan Gurney won, driving oh, the 121. Yeah. 121. 121. Yeah, and that's a lot. When you said, when's the last yeah. time you remember? I was seven, eight, nine years yeah. old then. I don't remember that. Okay, a lot of bad things happened to me between then. <laughs> now. I have to tell you that. Did you but tell it's me nice that? they worked with you yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. On yeah. This particular yeah, that was good. You know, yeah. and I think that just speaks to the flexibility NASCAR has top to yeah. bottom. We've seen all these crazy racetracks. We're going to the LA Coliseum, potentially street courses here in the future. Like they are bending more than they've ever had. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think from that perspective, it's like you say, um, NASCAR. This is entertainment. It's a sport. But we need to entertain the fans and to have these stories to talk about. And you do a great job, man. I wish all drivers were like you and had a story and had <laughs> had something uh, a little bit there extra to, to throw out. To that point, I, I knew that I couldn't quite, uh, you know, when I jumped in the Cup Series, I wasn't in a position to be on TV because I was running good because I was running for yeah. some, for some uh, you know, lean teams, if yeah. you will. So I had to get creative and be relevant yeah. in other ways. Yeah, and yeah. whether that's put the work in and try to get good about talking about it, it seems to uh, start paying some fruition. But, man, I'm having fun with it. And if you love it enough, you get yeah. to talk about it. It's easy. Yeah, exactly. that's right. Yeah, it's easy to talk about what you like. And we're going to talk more with Corey when we come back. Uh, and I think Nate Ryan will be here. i got to go to the bathroom. So I think Nate Ryan's <laughs> going to be here, and I'm, I'm walking out. So thank you, guys. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, 
No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome back to NASCAR America Motormouth's open test today at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Look at all the fans that showed up on somewhat of a brisk uh, Wednesday morning. It was, in, it was in the low 50s. And a lot of action wow. that they saw here on the track in Indy 500 testing. Uh, guys were having trouble getting out of the pits. We saw Alexander Rossi spin exiting the pit lane. And then we saw the same thing happen. Unfortunately, the defending race winner, Elio Castro Neves, Lost it coming out of the pit lane into the turn two wall. That was rather unfortunate. Uh, Elio is okay, but his car was not. Of course, next month he'll be going for five Indy 500s, a record on NBC on May 29th. And then finally, this incident involving Colton Herta, uh, who tried to avoid Will Power, who is coming out of the pits. Colton Herta spins off of that turn and nearly gets hit by Marcus Erickson. So a lot happening uh, during the Indy 500 test. And then finally, the man everybody on this side of the world is uh, certainly itching to see next month the Indy 500. Jimmy Johnson will be making his Indy 500 debut next month. Uh, he was driving with a recently fractured right hand today. And uh, no ill effects that, that we saw. He was able to pass stage three of his rookie orientation program and got well up into traffic and up to speed. So... Yeah. A lot happening uh, over there in Indianapolis today. Gosh, what do you guys yeah. make of Indy 500 testing? Yeah, you can tell that those tires do not like a cold racetrack. Uh, that, those two things don't go together. And then this, you add the power that they have, so it makes it you know, difficult to even get off pit road. Yeah. Well, they, they said the weather's in the low 50s. And when you look at an open wheel car, like an F1 car, those guys can run tire warmers. Indy cars can't. So, yeah. uh, man, my stomach was just in knots <laughs> watching these guys. I feel so bad because I'm sure Elio was so embarrassed. I mean, like... It's just something when that, when you're going slower, you're making less downforce, DJ, right? Yeah. So, like, the car's not pushing into the ground, tires are cold, and then you just bust your butt. I mean, yeah. I'm sure he feels terrible, but it's a great sight to see Jimmy Johnson on Indy for sure. It is. So, before we get to Jimmy, can we cross you off the list then of ever making an Indy car start, or does that still appeal to you? Well, you got you to gotta sell it to my wife first, for sure. <laughs> I would be down for it, but, man, those guys are, are something else. Okay, yeah. so we, we mentioned Jimmy Johnson, Corey, and I know that not only did you race against him when he was in the NASCAR Cup Series, but you also have quite a story about how he helped you. Man, I got... I mean, Jimmy is like the all-time high for me. He sets the bar for me on the racetrack as well as off, and I think he sets the bar for just all the competitors in our sport, just how, how he carried himself throughout his NASCAR career. But uh, I was working Ron Devine, who owned BK Racing, uh, for months. I was try I was no reason, no way ready to drive a cup car, but uh, I was the squeaky wheel. My dad always said, you got to be a squeaky wheel to get the oil, right? So I'm wearing them out to no avail. There's no reason that guy should have let me drive his car. So Jimmy, fresh off of his 2016 and his seventh championship, I said, Jimmy, I need a favor, buddy. Maybe if it comes from you, if you put in a good word for me for Ron, it might push this thing across the line. So he was on a ski lift in Aspen. I sent him his number. He talked to Ron for 45 minutes, and he said, man, if you're, if you're good enough for a seven-time champion, you're good enough for my car. And that started the snowball. If I, wow. I, I would not be here uh, six years into the Cup Series if it wasn't for Jimmy Johnson making that one phone call. Wow, what a story. I mean, that, that's tremendous. And, and, you know, so much of many things like that that Jimmy's not done, not only for competitors uh, like yourself, uh, but for people, uh, the community that he came from. So, you know, he's just a very caring guy, along with being an outstanding driver and only hope that he can have, go up and have a great month of May. And so to put a period on the story, I don't know if he helped you out on this, but when Jimmy Johnson announced he was going to retire from the number 48, 
you kind of threw your name in the hat, I guess, put your name in the hat with, with uh, Rick Hendrick? Well, if that? you don't ask, the answer is always no, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And did I think I had a remote shot of getting in that car? Absolutely not, right? But uh, I wanted to figure out something to stand out because I, I do feel like in the right situation with the right people, I, I could be you know, a race-winning cup guy. I would love to think so. And I think that you see a lot of guys, Alex Bowman's a great example of guys who have grinded out, get a shot with a great team, and yeah. succeed. Uh, so, yeah, I, I called Jimmy. I was like, hey, what, what can I do? I don't want to do some phony social media thing, hashtag, like, and funny enough, like, we went to go watch Hamilton, the play on Broadway, right? And they're big about writing notes, and I was like, I got pretty cool cursive handwriting. Let me Rick, Rick Hendrick a note and see what he said. <laughs> so I asked Jimmy if that was a good idea. He goes, yeah, dude. So I handed it to him at a, at a Hall of Fame night. Um, I don't know. He might not have read it. He might have crumpled up and thrown it in the trash. <laughs> but it caught a little traction on social media. And, and like I said, man, the answer is always no if you don't ask. But it sort of came full circle. We run Hendrick Motors in our Spire Motorsports Chevin mm -hmm. car. So it's... Man, you never know what bridge you got to cross, and you know I'm still gonna still grind, and they let me show up and drive that thing every week. So well, Rick Hendrick's yeah. a great guy too, and he did read your letter and, and had nice things to say about it, and I'm very appreciative of that. Uh, that I know that. So you and I come from similar backgrounds in that uh, our dad uh, dads were very successful racers. Um, Help, hindrance. I always get that question. Uh, I, I never found a negative side to yeah. to my dad, other than the fact that I was never going to live up to everything that he accomplished. Yeah. Uh, but I always thought it as a positive thing. But um, how has that been for you and, and talking about racing uh, continuing to this day? Yeah, I know. I've been a part of some conversations on the other side of the phone that my dad turned down several cup rides because he knew the time commitment it would be away from the, away from our family. Um, so dad enjoyed being a Saturday guy, winning races, winning championships, 96 and 7. And for me to be able to race in the Cup Series now for six years, hopefully can get the LaJoy name in victory lane on a Sunday afternoon would, is my ultimate goal uh, because I know what my dad gave up, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so for me to be able to do that and raise a family of my own right in the garage, um, you know, my ultimate goal is to, uh, to win a Cup Series race. And, you know, it's it's. A light at the end of the tunnel, and hopefully the tunnel's not too long, but it's certainly a grind, but I think it's possible. I, I just, I've got both of you here, so I'll just ask, because I'm curious, because you said it, DJ, I mean, help or a hindrance, and I, I look at it and think it's, it's always got to be help. I mean, put the, the cries of nepotism aside, which I'm sure you're going to hear, yeah, but yeah. Like, like, is it ever a hindrance? Because, I mean, you're so ingrained in an industry where it's so important to make connections and be able to talk to people and be able to lead on people for help. Man, uh, I can go a lot of different ways with it, but I look at guys like you know Matt Martin, who Matt, Mark, if you're if you're a dad, why wouldn't you give every single opportunity to your kid to to race? Him and I grew up, we we're the same age, racing Bandoleros. He had he was sponsored by Gatorade. Like when I was 12, I'm like I want to be Matt Martin when I grow up, and it almost burned him out. You know, mm -hmm. so my dad gave me just enough. He knew what buttons to push to keep me motivated, knew what to piss me off enough to I put my head down and, and get to work. And I think one of the common misconceptions is, and I'm sure you're the same way, is that my dad gave me everything. I was working yeah. with the best people, driving the best cars. When my dad they went the swung the pendulum the other way, he was like, man, I'm going to make you work on your own cars. I'm going to make you cultivate relationships. Yeah. That way when you get to Sunday, you can get the job done. Yeah, much the same way. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, people just assumed that our dads were successful race drivers. They had plenty of money, so they set us up, and, and it was far from that. You know, I didn't know anything about the, a race car and started building them, started working on them, and, and learned that 
from the ground up. I also ran the business. You know, I'm sure you did too. You, you know, you found sponsorship and you paid the bills, mm -hmm. and uh, that's what we did. Yeah, certainly. Interesting story. I can't relate, but I love hearing about it. I think the fans do as well. Yeah. I think we've got some more questions on the phones here on Motormouth. Let's talk to James. James, you're on with Corey LaJoy. What do you have for uh, Corey today? Hey, Corey. Uh, how you doing? Um, I wanted to ask, um, after your 14th place finish at Daytona, as well as your fifth place on the newly configured um, Atlanta Motor Speedway, um, what have you learned from those two tracks that will help you going into Talladega this Sunday? That's a great question. I think how the flow of the race towards the end of the race uh, plays out. I think, uh, like I mentioned earlier in the show, track position means more now with this car because you don't get those big, huge runs uh, like we used to see with the previous car. Uh, tandem might come to effect at Talladega a little bit more than we saw at Daytona because the track's smoother. It's a little bit wider. Mm -hmm. um, so I do think that if you think that you're going to have a shot to win on an 18th with three to go, you're probably mistaken because you've got to be in the top three or four rows and pick the right dancing partner at the end to really make a run and you also got to factor in a little bit of luck I mean we've seen guys get wrecked at the end you've seen guys making last lap passes so um, you want to work yourself my my private number but I'll tell all the listeners here my number was eight to go of when you really pull them tight and jam it in there but I think that number has to creep to 12 15 laps of 15 laps to get yourself positioned uh, if you want a chance to win the race yeah, so that's, that's interesting. So one thing that I mentioned the other day that I felt like that at Daytona, we didn't see a lot of three-wide racing there. It, it was almost like back to the 90s when if you were got stuck in the middle, you were headed backwards. Nobody was going to help you there. You think we'll see more of that at Talladega? I believe we will, but you're the driver. Yeah, so I think what a factor at Daytona was that was the first race, essentially, of the next-gen car. So now the teams have figured out what makes the cars handle better, what aero pitch the cars need to be at, because right. it's definitely a lot different than what we anticipated. You used to remember I mean, you used to try to get the car as low as possible, right? Get the back down, get the blade out of the air. It doesn't seem like that's the case. You see some of these cars look like Shamu going down the road, <laughs> and it the, seems like the more the nose is high, the more downforce it makes and the wow. less drag it makes. It looks weird, but you've got to give the car what it wants. So I anticipate cars driving better, uh, which will keep the cars packed up a little bit more. All right, and we'll keep your secret safe 15 to go. We won't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Nobody's watching the show. Yeah. Just kidding. No, actually, a lot of people are watching the show. We've got on the phones Marvin joining us on NASCAR America Motor Mouths. Marvin, what do you have for Corey LaJoy? How you doing, Corey? I'm good. So, Corey, after a uh, top 20 finish at Bristol, we're heading to one of my favorite super speedways in Talladega. Are you are you shooting for a top five uh, finish, or are you going to just uh, go for the victory on Sunday? I don't know. Uh, sometimes what I want to do as a driver differ, it differs from what the ownership wants to do as a tack for a race because uh, at the end of the day, you do want a solid points day. And the risk you run is, like, if you want to go put yourself in position to win, there is a high likelihood that you could get balled up at the end of that thing, which does two things, costs you a lot of money and costs you a lot of points. Um, so we'll, we'll have our meetings and we'll figure out who our dancing partners are early before the race even starts. Uh, but really and truly, there's only three chances for us to win a race between now and the playoff starts. Here, Atlanta 2 and Daytona 2. Um, and... You don't want to give up any opportunity to potentially throw Hail Mary and get your car in the playoffs. And I think we have great motors, great cars, a good pit crew that could put us put ourselves in position if we really uh, want to let the let it loose and, and maybe get a little lucky. So tell me about um, 
We talked about the suspension difference and with this next-gen car and, and the differences that makes, but you've got some new tools as far as uh, seeing out the car yeah. and how can you see and, and explain the other options you have to use. Yeah, so there's a lot of different options. Obviously, the rear-view camera is what you're referring yeah. to, so there's a pod on the roof that has a camera like you're driving your Chevy Silverado, right? You can see out the back. It's a little bit funky to get used to because the color isn't the same as what it is outside. Um, but the closing rate, it needs like the disclaimer at the bottom, objects and mirror closer than they appear because it looks like they're jammed up underneath yeah. of you. Uh, but it's a different way to block. Uh, it's a little slightly delayed. You'll see some guys run the old school mirror on top as well as the rear view camera at the bottom. Uh, I just elect for the, the camera myself because you can't really see a whole lot from the mirror. But my teammate Landon Castle at Daytona burned up a rear view camera. And luckily he had a regular mirror. Oh, wow. uh, so if I burn a rear view mirror up, I'm flying blind. I'm <laughs> all out the front window at Talladega. So we'll see how it goes. That sounds safe. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Much, yeah. so much for, so much for technology. That's what seatbelts are I'm for. sure it won't be chaotic like it was last week at Bristol as well. No. Uh, let's, let's go back to the phones. We've got Preston joining us on Motor Mouths. Preston, what do you have for Coil of Joy? Hey, so kind of a, a question for both Corey and, and Dale Jarrett. So two pieces. So first part is I really enjoyed the dirt racing, but I missed having the spring race at Bristol on the pavement. And so, you know, first question is, how would you guys feel about sending the spring race back to pavement and then running dirt like at Eldora or maybe North Wilkesboro, even though that's pavement, doing dirt there? Um, and second part for Dale Jarrett, one of my all-time heroes, uh, would you have attempted, after watching practice today back in your prime, would you attempted the Indianapolis 500 back in the 90s? Because watching you drive that interstate batteries car with Dale, against Dale Earnhardt back in the day. It just, I saw Jimmy Johnson's car just now, and it just brought, like, a thought that it would have been awesome to see you take a shot at it. So, I'll take that first one. So, in terms of Bristol going dirt, if guys like you would have showed up and actually gotten to the grandstands and filled the place up, then we wouldn't have had the conversation to go to dirt. <laughs> uh, because the spring race always battled weather, as we saw again. We saw we struggled with weather last year, the dirt race. This year, the dirt race. Um, and it was just tough to get a crowd out there. And TV ratings kind of reflected that as well. So, uh, with the new TV deal on the horizon, I think it's all... Um, all weight pulls to try to get as many viewers as possible, and it's new. It's exciting. It's fresh. Fans want to tune in um, to watch something in interesting. I'm not necessarily a dirt fan myself, but if it's good for the sport right now, and it seemed to be with the numbers coming in pretty strong, uh, I think we. I think it's here to stay. So you need to get used to it. Yeah, yeah. But I, as I said the other day, I think that it needs to go to another dirt track, a, a real dirt track. You know, fair. That's my my choice. Yeah. But uh, and I appreciate the the kind words. Um, Indy wasn't something that I looked at to get an in car, but I did uh, want and talked seriously about getting in one just as a test, not to not to run a race. But I wanted to go to Michigan. It was at the time that they were running between two thirty five and two forty at Michigan, and you know two fifteen was the fastest I'd ever been in a, a stock car at Talladega. And so uh, I just wanted to go there and, and in a test session and see how fast I could get if I could get you know somewhere close to that 235 to 240 and, and see what that sensation was like. Whose car would you potentially have driven? We uh, Mike Curb owned cars uh, at that mm -hmm. time, and so uh, that was an opportunity that I was looking at. But you know, 
it just they, I got in it, and it just didn't feel like that a guy six two needed to be in there. So <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, I've heard that from Graham Ray Hall. That yeah. it's a little bit difficult when you're taller. Well, even though you're never going to race an eighty five hundred, you're going to attend your first one. I am. I'm month, going. Yeah, I'm cool. so excited. Yeah. yeah, in about a month there, I'm really looking forward to it. So, uh, and Andy was one of my favorite tracks. Uh, loved it in a stock car, and uh, actually won an IROC race there too, which is a stock car. What's but, your uh, What's your all too soon Jimmy Johnson finishing position? Um, I, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to say, I believe he runs in the top 10 for sure. I, I really do. And I think there's, there's potential there for him to do a lot better than that. Yeah. I mean, I think Kurt Busch finished six yeah. as a rookie yes. eight years ago. So who knows? Um, got a little bit time left with you, Corey. So I want to ask you about, you, know, you talked about that, those resource management discussions that it sounds like you have with the team. Are those some of the hardest discussions you have? And do, do you kind of go to them and say, look, I finished fifth at Atlanta or whatever with a car that was as battered as I've ever driven before. I mean, like, let me do what I got to do here. Like, we can we can beat this thing up a little bit. Well, you could also, they can also argue the contrary as well as I could. Like, we finished fifth because we did be conservative, as un- unlike the video there was, I fly backwards <laughs> up, in, up in the air. But if, if we hadn't bided our time, if we hadn't have attacked when we attacked it at the moment we did, then we probably would have been in a crash and not finished the day. So, Man, it's it's tough because yeah. there's really no right answer and there's no wrong answer. I, I upset it all the time. The only way you win a speeder race is if you t- attack from yeah. the start. Uh, maintain track position, control the race. Uh, if not, you have to get really lucky that the, that the cards fall your way at the end. Cool, cool. All right, I think we got one more caller for you, Corey. Uh, we've got Irv joining us on NASCAR American Motor Mouths. Irv, you're on with Corey LaJoy and Dale Jarrett. Hey, Corey. First, Dale, you have always been one of my favorite drivers. Love seeing you win at Indy. And, Corey, um, you just – no problem. Corey, you just said that uh, before the Talladega race, you'll decide who your dancing partners are, then you'll go race. How do you determine who your dancing partners are going to be before you start the race at Talladega? Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a great question. I think we've seen the OEM battles. Uh, it's almost, the Speedway races have almost turned into OEM, like partitions of Toyotas work together, Fords work together. They have the strength of numbers because they have the most amount of cars. And then Chevys, and I think Chevys aren't as uh, really stringent as to working together as some of the, other, the two other manufacturers. Hendrick obviously marries himself together. Trackhouse is going to marry themselves together with RCR. Uh, and the, I think a team like ours, we generally gravitate towards the teams on our kind of level of performance, like a colleague race, and they'll have two cars there. Uh, Noah Gragson driving the Beard car will probably be in our group as well. The, the uh, GMS cars are usually ones we find ourselves drafting with. So the ones that aren't necessarily in the click find our own little <laughs> click at the side of the playground and work together. Uh, and it, it, everybody's time to engage is a bit different. Uh, I've been lucky enough to, to catch some breaks and, and finish well at Talladega before, but, you know, finishing third, finishing second, finishing fifth doesn't get you into the playoffs. It might be a good point today, but uh, if you want to finish, uh, if you want to win the race, man, you got to tighten the belts and get after it from a uh, pretty early time. My, I think that you got to race from at least the start of the third stage on and let the cards fall where they may. Yeah. All right, well, even though you're not in the click, I, I know you don't necessarily have to be one of the popular kids to win at, at Talladega. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I like your chances. And, I like uh, you too. Good, good luck this weekend. Uh, we really yeah. thank you uh, for coming by and joining us. Man, yeah, it's thanks. been a lot of fun. Yeah. Hopefully have him back. Yeah, All right. We will. We definitely will. Uh, so that's Corey LaJoy. When we come back, we'll have Kyle Petty once again, and we'll be talking 
quarterly progress reports in the Cup Series in the 2022 season. Join us on the other side. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome back to NASCAR American Motor Mouse. Checking out what we've got this week in motorsports. Dale Jr. Download has former Panthers tight end Greg Olson joining Dale Jr. Uh, Tomorrow we've got the second day of the Indy 500 Open Test, Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern. That's all on Peacock. Monster Jam is in Houston Saturday noon on CNBC. Monster Energy AMA Supercross in Foxborough, Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern on NBC. Two riders going for championships, Eli Tomac. Might wrap up his second title. And finally, MotoGP Sunday, 5 p.m. Eastern on CNBC from Portugal. Another busy weekend. Busy, busy. Sports. For sure. Yeah. And, uh, of course, we've as we were just talking about with Florida Joy, we've got Cup Series at Talladega, mm-hmm. which will mark race 10 of the 2022 season. Crazy. Isn't it? Yeah. We're a quarter of the way through the That's season. That's crazy. Nine of 36 races. Um so we thought that because we're a quarter of the way through, this is a good mm. time maybe to do quarterly progress reports. Ah. Mm. Which, okay. uh, this you is might... my favorite time of the school year. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite time. I mean, you've been reintroduced to it now. Yeah, right? my or mother loved to. this part, yeah. man. She already knew what they were going to tell her when she walked in. <laughs> All right, so we'll go team by team. We'll start with uh, Hendrick Motorsports. Progress, respo- progress reports for these drivers. I would think that top of the list, Kyle, you're, you're a big fan of his, his work. Excellent would be William Byron. Well... Yes. Yes Yes and no. Yes and, and no? That, because I, I've got nobody. I've got, I'll be real clear, I've got nobody in the A category and with excellent progress. Anyway, I think there's been some people that are pretty steady, but nobody's been consistent. And, and, and that, that, you know, so if we're, if we're grading on that, so, yeah, we've got some guys that have made 100s on some tests, but they've also made some 28s on some tests. So that brings it all down. So I, I, I look at the Hendrick organization as a whole, and they came out hot. Mm-hmm. But the Chevys came out hot. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that was a plus. So was that Chevy or was that Hendrick? Where was that? So, um, But I do think they've been, as, as much as any organization, they've always had one or two guys up there, no matter what. So they've been as consistent there, but still, yeah, I don't, I'm, listen, you can't change me. I, I'm not, I can't. I had bad conduct grades, and I'm going to have bad <laughs> grades here. I, and, and I was on the A, B, C, D th- thing, so I'm, I'm, I'm just mid-pack with, with these guys right now. Probably a B. Okay. Yeah. I, I think when you look at the whole organization, they, they probably performed at a higher level than any other complete yeah. organization when you look at all of their drivers. And, you know, the, you know the, the one, though, that we expect to be the most out of that, even though Larson is the most recent champion and Byron is the only driver with two wins this year, uh, and, and Bowman has his win. You, we're still looking, you know, why is Chase Elliott not winning? Right, uh, and, right. And, you know, ready to w- get a win on an oval here, you know. And so uh, um, I think that's the one downside if they have that, that they haven't made it. Been pretty consistent of uh, the way they've run, but it looks like they're, they're still trying to learn and figure out exactly what Chase is looking for in these cars. Yeah, I feel like I would put Chase Elliott in the needs improvement category. Yeah. And uh, and maybe Kyle Larson as well. I mean, he's got a win, but it doesn't seem like, you know, admittedly, yeah. he's kind of been his normal self. Um, let's move on to a team, another Chevy team, that has no wins, but two drivers who have been pretty stout in, in, in one case, Tyler Reddick. I uh, probably should have won Sunday at Bristol. Richard Childress Racing, um, where do you guys see them 
sizing up through through the quarterly report here. I think with the new car that, that this is a, a team and an organization that has benefited from this and, and early on. Uh, uh, Tyler Reddick has been uh, up front in the top five uh, in a lot of races. Uh, should have a win uh, after this past Sunday, but that didn't happen. Uh, he's going to get that. And, and even uh, Austin Dillon has run really well. It seems that when Austin's car or when he's been good, he's been really good. Uh, but when he's been off, like Corey was talking about, when these cars get off, they're really, really, really hard to drive. And it seems like that, that Austin has the two swings. There's no middle road for him, kind of. So, but, but I do believe that they've gone in the right direction. Uh, I think Andy Petrie and that whole group uh, are doing the right things. Okay, so I found my list. Uh, <laughs> Trevor, okay, I found my list. I know we're not supposed to give A, Bs, and Cs and all that stuff because – we're being politically correct in the grading spectrum so nobody feels like they're being left behind at school because it the takes Kyle a village. Petty participation yeah. ribbon. Yeah, yeah so, that's right. So okay. it takes a village. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to say um, they are show. Oh, they're showing real interest in the pro, in the subject. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're showing real interest. RCR. Yeah. RCR is real, showing yeah, real interest. Okay. Yeah. Performing at, they, they're performing above their level. They, they are okay. performing above their okay. level. Okay. Both yeah. drivers, Dylan and Reddick, both above their level. Yeah. Especially Reddick. Yeah. Yeah. But the team itself, I think, is yeah. not where they are a lot higher than I thought they would be. Uh, moving on to a, a Ford team, Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, they've got to win in Chase Briscoe. Uh, Harvick has a second at Richmond. Uh, Almarola kind of started off hot, but has faded a little yeah. bit. And Cole Custer was, was on the pole at Bristol, but uh, hasn't really done a lot else. What, what do you guys see there? I'm going to give you an effort improving. Uh, they're valedictorian. <laughs> Kevin Harvick is not performing up to snuff. I'll, I will say that. Uh, but I'll give you an effort improving because that's on my list here, and I can use that one. Uh, because I, I, think, I think you look at Briscoe. Briscoe has been a surprise for me mm-hmm. uh, this year. And, and, and even Cole has had a couple of, of moments and a couple of decent races. They just can't put that together. And, and we, we talk about it all the time. Somebody can run up front, but the team's got to keep you up front. Once you get up there and once you have a car, it takes everybody, pit stops and everything to work. And they're just, they're a tick off somewhere. Okay. Uh, Chase Briscoe is also on my effort improving list as well. Um, a team. Yeah, he's an outstanding student. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Very outstanding. Yes. Well, although in, in your mind, he may, might have gotten well, in trouble. Maybe he has to go but to even, even, even outstanding students make ma- ma- some that's right. bad that's right. judgments. Bad judgments. Yeah, just a slap a judgment. on the wrist for yes. Briscoe. Yeah. Um, Penske, a, a team that surprisingly doesn't have a regular season win. I mean, they won the clash with Logano, but, well, yeah. 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 They or no, no, they, they, they did win the Daytona 500 yeah. with Cinder. What am I saying? But um, since then, uh, no wins for Blaney, no wins for Logano. Uh, Cindric's kind of been there, but not really done a lot since yeah. Daytona. Mm-hmm. What, what do you see out of Penske? Um, you know, Logano's been steady, but that's Joey Logano uh, yeah. making something. He is so talented that, that he makes up for the deficiency they may have. And it looks like they're still trying to figure this car out. But Ryan Blaney, to me, ha- has been at the top. He, it just seems that every week when I look up, he, he either starts and, and stays in the top five or he finds his way to that top five running position, much like he did, or at least a top ten, but like he did uh, on the dirt track the other night. And uh, so I, I think he's, to me, now, when you have a Daytona 500 champion in the yeah. group, uh, you know, they have to be number one That's for right. the time being. But, but Blaney has been the most consistent uh, that I've seen out of that group. Yeah, I, I agree. Agree. Blaney has been the guy that's just run in the top five. The, and, and you're right. Joey finds his way to the top five or top ten yeah. and just makes something happen. Uh, and Cindric's just a rookie. 
And that's all you can say. He's learning this car. He's learning these tracks. He's learning how hard it is to go from Xfinity to Cup. So uh, what should I say? Um, making a consistent effort. I'll okay. say they're making hey, a consistent effort. I'll get you to assess another new pupil, Kyle. Uh, Trackhouse, relatively new pupil. Oh. Uh, Trackhouse, Suarez, and new winner, Ross Chastain. Where do, you, where do you see them on the grade list? They show great interest in the subject. Okay, they show. I see it. It's right here. It's on I, I had that too for Ross Chastain. Yeah. He, he studies all the time. Right? He, they, yeah. they seem to because yeah. they continue continue to show up and be competitive. Um, they've not. We heard Corey sit here and talk about having a book on these racetracks and understanding simulation and all that stuff. I don't see these guys as a Hendrick. I don't see these guys. You know that guy that's in there week in and week out getting all that time, all that extra tutoring that that Corey was talking about almost here. So um, you know, I think they've done. They've done, and, and let's be clear, they didn't start a new team. They bought an organization and absorbed two, two teams right. to come. And right. there's been a lot made about that. Well, I, man, they started a new team, and look how they run. They didn't start a new team. They, they bought an, an existing organization. Uh, another team, DJ, that just expanded to two cars this year, 2311 Racing, Kurt mm-hmm. Busch and Bubba Wallace. Um, yeah, Bubba had the great run at uh, Daytona uh, with his second-place finish there, um, but has struggled Pretty much everywhere else, um, and you know they had a tire wheel to come off, and so they lost crew chief for a while. So, and Kurt Busch, he's run really well, but I'm not sure he hasn't had the worst luck. I don't have the yeah. list, so I'm not sure where to put that hey, for him. But, but as far as his, he, like he's these. just had bad oh, racing great. luck uh, uh, along the way. He, he's had some decent runs and put himself in position. Uh, Kurt has, and, yeah. and I think that's only going to get better for yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's go to another big team, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. Um, I'll just I'll throw out what I've got here because I love, like Kyle says, I love these terms. I've got Kyle Busch in my effort improving category, um, coming off off the win at, at Bristol. Mm. Uh, mm. What do you guys make of, of Gibbs and their progress? I've got time? I've got them in my working below ability, not working up to ability <laughs> level at all. Period. For, for Truex yeah, and, for, and for all of them. All of them. Right. He was a distant third. He was a Richard Petty third at Daytona when they had the big wreck on the backstretch and he mm-hmm. went and the camera couldn't find him. If that would have been Daytona, a camera guy would not have found Kyle Busch. You know what I mean? That's yeah. how far back he was. It was a half mile track, so it happened a lot faster. But if that had been two and a half Daytona, just go back and watch the 79-500 when they couldn't find Richard Petty yeah. because he was so far back and he won the race. That's not your ability. These guys should be running up front. They should be up there contending week in and week out. Denny said on this show, just because I won Richmond, we're not back. And, and I think it continues to show. They're, they're below what we consider the Gibbs standard or what I consider the Gibbs standard. So they're not working up to ability. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree there. I mean, the, the two races that they won there with, with Kyle Busch and, and Denny, they were solid top three, top four uh, drivers and, and cars in, in those particular races. They found ways to win. So that's a good thing when you can do yeah. that. Uh, you, I always say you run the top five enough, you'll find a way to win uh, some of these. And, and so they've done that. Christopher Bell, I think, has run extremely well. But it, it, you know, it kind of goes back to the same thing as I looked at last year, just finding ways to finish things off. He is so talented, yeah. uh, but it just yeah. seems like there's different things. And uh, has Martin Truex run all the races? I don't know. He's been kind of <laughs> lo- – I love oh, Martin Truex. That's Dale Jarrett, Junior ladies and Dale Jarrett. Yeah, you know, I, I mean he's so talented, but you know that they haven't, uh, yeah. you know, they they've missed it a lot uh, at a lot of tracks, and and I don't put it on the driver. It's just his name is on the door, and that's who we look yeah. at as the driver. And uh, 
uh, because I know he can drive anything, anytime, anywhere, but these cars aren't performing uh, for him right now. Yeah, definitely some questions there. All right, one more. I've got RFK Racing. Uh, Brad Keselowski did a media availability today, and I, I had this team in my needs to assume responsibility Great category. One. Is that what you had? That's what and, I had. That's what, that's what <laughs> that's Brad exactly did today. Right. Yeah. Brad, Brad came out and just said, look, a lot of this is on me, and, yep. and he talked about being in meetings and making big changes yep. and making big decisions and how he's kind of evolved in that role. Yeah, so. and, that, and that, listen, that's a tough role. Yeah. That's a tough role. I, and I go back to, to personal experience of trying to run a race team that you've got a team driver that's another driver that basically works for you, and you're trying to give him good stuff and give you good stuff and move the ball down the field at the same time and look to where you need to be next year and the year after that and, and partners in, in the business and all. It's a tough, it's a tough piece, that uh, a tough job that, that Brad Keselowski has, has bit off. And I think they've done admirable, but I think we expected a lot more. Um, and, and I think that's part of it. And, but he takes responsibility, so I, I give him that. I pat him on the back for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it is – he's put it perfectly. I mean, that, that, it is so difficult to do that um, at, at any level. It, but, you know, to, to take over uh, all of that yeah. ownership and, and put yourself in that position on a weekly basis uh, is very difficult. And then to do your job as the driver – that, that makes it more yeah. difficult. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, certainly Brad looking this weekend yes, as a big sure. opportunity for sure. Talladega. For sure. We come back on the other side here on Motor Mouse. We'll talk a little Talladega heading into this weekend as NASCAR goes to Alabama. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome back to NASCAR American Motormouths, and we are talking Talladega Super Speedway, where NASCAR Cup Series will be this weekend. I think we're going to start with a phone call from Carl. Let's go to the phones and welcome in Carl to NASCAR American Motormouths. NASCAR, what you got? Uh, yeah, um, so with, um, you know, we heard from Reddick Monday, and he felt like with this new car that tires were something that still was an issue. Um, Nate, if you've heard any insight, how do they feel about Talladega or this issue in general with the tire and, and what good you'll be bringing to the track? About the tire? Yes. I mean, like I said on Monday's yeah, show, yeah. Reddick said that it was still, he felt like something that NASCAR had to work with. And I wonder if he had any insight as uh, what Goodyear was doing and what they're going to bring to Talladega. I, I do not have a tremendous no. amount of insight, so I don't know if you guys have anything to add. You know, I, I, I don't I get know. the email, but I, I didn't read it. I did, too. That's how where Sabrina said. But, yeah. but it, listen, they've not had tire trouble there, honestly, yeah. really since the first yeah. year when everybody boycotted. They always make sure that whatever they bring there will handle the speeds, will handle the G-force, will handle the, the, the forces that are put on them. So I, I don't see – Talladega's not going to be a tire race. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. just not going to be a tire race. Yeah. Uh, certainly something we'll be keeping an eye on, yep. Carl. Appreciate the, Thanks, uh, the phone call. Uh, looking at Talladega, you know, we were talking about on the podcast Monday, DJ. It feels like there's there's three guys who really stand out here as this being a major opportunity. I mean, obviously, Corey LaJoy's on yeah. that list, too. But yeah. Bubba Wallace, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., yeah. Brad Keselowski, yeah. those are three guys who we know yeah. can win at this race and, and all need a win. Yeah, they do. And I'll, I'll go with Bubba first because he's going for four straight top two finishes uh, on the super speedways. And so, and obviously he won there uh, last fall. Uh, you have to look at him and he understands. He, he might go about it in a different way. Yeah. It doesn't seem like that he's always up front, but he shows his face up front, gets his car there. Uh, then he might fall back for a while. Yeah. And he seems to really read 
uh, yeah, he the, does. the race and where he needs to be very, very well. The one thing that he has done these past three races is he's found himself up in the top five and making good moves yeah. at the end to give himself a chance. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with Stenhouse, though. Mm -hmm. um, and, and because I think the law of averages have finally ran out for Bubba. He's held up his lightning rod, and, and he's not been struck by lightning <laughs> and, and four times. He only, he only gets the second, you know what uh -huh. I mean? So I, I, I think we looked at Stenhouse. Stenhouse had a huge opportunity at Daytona. I think he capitalizes here. All right, a lot to be watching for this yeah. Sunday, Talladega Super Speedway. We'll see it then. We'll catch you back here Monday on NASCAR America Motor Mouths on Peacock. Thanks for joining us. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.